It is Chai Av, Tafshin Ayin Vav, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Shalom Artsy live in Kesaria, Nitzmadnu. Welcome, one and all. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Weingart, and thank you so much for tuning in and making us a part of your week. We are here every Monday immediately following JM in the AM, which brings us to 9 AM Eastern and 4 PM Israel time. We have uh, interesting stuff lined up for the show, as we always do, and great music. We will have a debut, brand new song. Uh, Yehoram Gaon in collaboration with Ovadia Hamama. That's uh, it's some nice stuff. And we will update and follow up the conversation that we started last week about Tisha B'Av in the post-1967 era, meaning at a time when the Jewish people are sovereign in Yerushalayim. Uh, but specifically, folk, we're going to focus on... Um, the uh, the prayer, the wording of the prayer Nachem, which we Ashkenazim say in uh, Mincha on Tisha B'Av, and we started speaking last time about different ideas and opinions about making amendations to it because of uh, of the of the difference in reality that we have and so forth. So um, we'll discuss that a little bit in light of an article Dvar uh, Torah that I saw by Rabbi Chaim Navon, originally from the Gush, very well-known Rav in Israel, author and so forth. We'll bring you some of that and uh, lots of other stuff. Lots and lots of other great stuff. So thank you very much for being with us. Um, we will do the Nachim stuff right after this song. This is Amir Benayun with Omed Bashar. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Amir Benayun, going back a uh, couple of years. Big hit in Israel, that song. Omed Bashar, standing in the gates. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Yes, you are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you for uh, tuning us in. Thank you for finding us and for listening. We so appreciate it. Last week, I brought up the uh, issue of um, does Tisha B'Av change? in any way whatsoever, in this very unique, well, not very unique, in these unique times, when um, we are, the Jewish people are now sovereign in the city of Yerushalayim, and yet we know clearly, we see clearly, that our final redemption is not here yet. I called it the sandwich generation. And... um, I thank Gil Student for uh, for his words and for sharing that with his Facebook friends. And one of the points that we discussed was how we deal with the davening of Nachim. And ultimately, those who are in this, they're obviously within the religious Zionist world, differing opinions on, on how to approach the whole question. There are those who say Tisha B'Av now is exactly the way it was, you know, 100 years, 200 years ago. doesn't make a difference. The fact that Israel has sovereignty over Yerushalayim is meaningless because the Bet HaMikdash is not here. The final Geulah is not here. 
Nothing changes. We do exactly the same thing. There are those who say, no, Jewish sovereignty, Yerushalayim is here, we can do whatever we want, ostensibly, and so I'm not fasting. I'm celebrating. And then there are those in the middle, and I mentioned that I was in that camp, who say, look, we still continue the halachot of Tisha B'Av, the Hilchot Avelut. We fast, we don't wear shoes, and so forth. Um, as we've done in the past. However, truthfully, in our hearts, A, there is some dulling of the mourning feeling, the dulling of the sadness. The sadness is mixed in with a joy knowing that we have come so far and that our generation is truly blessed to be this uh, middle generation, the sandwich generation that has seen the return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel. That is an enormous difference, and so it, it expresses itself, although not totally in our actions, but more so in our thoughts. I saw, um, after the show, I found an article by Rav Chaim Navon, of the, uh, originally of the Gush. I, I'm not sure where he is now, but I, I believe he's the rabbi of a shul, also an author, writes, uh, was written several books, he appears in the media, is a very eloquent spokesperson for, um, for the religious Zionist world. And um, he wrote an article which originally appears, it says here, in Sohar, Gileon Lamed Bet. I found it online on, uh, on the Da'at website, and I will post the link on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. If you don't have Facebook and you want to link to this article, uh, the article's in Hebrew. But if you don't have Facebook and want to link, you can email me. It's mayor, M-E-I-R, at nachomsegel.com, mayor, M-E-I-R, at nachomsegel.com, and I'll send you the link to the article. I found it fascinating. And the article is not specifically about Nachim. It is about the status, how we deal with text of prayers that we have been said for thousands of years when there's a changing reality. And he, he focuses on two specific uh, issues. One is Yom Ma'ut, where we um, add tefillot and have a special tefillah for Yom Ma'ut. And the second is where one needs to avoid a blatant lie, a sheker. And that's where he discusses the issue of Nachem and how so many people felt and continue to feel that one couldn't say the words in the, the tefillah of Nachem, those specific words that talk about the city being um, you know, in mourning without her children, desolate of the houses, the homes, and so forth. It sits desolate without any people, without any population. It's not true. And how do, so how do we deal with that? And, and he analyzes it from a halachic perspective. Uh, the, the article is 10 pages in Hebrew. Um, and, and if you're so inclined to, to look at it, it's really, really good. And it's not written in a complicated way. It's, it's very straightforward. And, and um, I think it's written for the general public. And um, he made several points. One is, there is precedent for making slight changes in the text of the tefillah if reality has changed and 
um, the leaders of the generation deem it important. And he brings an example here. I'm not going to get into the details of that. The second point he makes is that the change, whatever changes you incorporate, should be as little as possible, enough to take the tefillah's words out of the realm of an untruth. You don't want to lie. But as little as possible so that we don't go around wholesale redacting the the texts or changing the texts, amending the texts. And he brought several examples of this. He says that, and this is amazing because I've thought about this numerous times, on on, uh, Yom Kippur, during the Elah, in the... um, the last prayer that we say on Yom Kippur, it's the prayer that straddles Shkiah. It, it begins before Shkiah, it ends with the end of the fast, and that's what takes us out of the fast. And there's a, a sentence in there that begins, Hayom Yifneh, Hashemesh Yavov Yifneh, and so forth. The day will will leave, will go out, meaning the day will end. Hashemesh yavov The sun will go out, will go down, will leave. And what happens, the question is, what happens if you are saying this tefillah and it's after Shkia? The timing worked out that way and you're saying the tefillah and it's after Shkia. And Rav Navon brings the words of uh, the Bach, who says that you have to realize this. You've got to see ahead a little bit, plan ahead. Cut short all the singing and other that you're saying, in order to start Ne'ilah on time, and he says, and within the text itself, we see that the tefillah encourages us to do that because the the text says, and he says, if you're saying it and it's night already, it looks like that your your request is is like nothing, is a joke, and it looks like you're lying. Because you're saying something that's not so, not factual, before Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And how could you do that? The Magen Avram. Um, says that somebody who says that nusach after shkia harehu kedover shkarim lifnei Hashem, he's he's telling untruths before God, and the Shar Hatzion and Kitzur Shulchan Aruch he brings down says that if in fact the sun has set, change the nusach of the piyut and say hayom pana Hashemish ba'ufana. So here is a great example of a tiny little emendation, a little change that you make in a tefillah on Yom Kippur, no less in order for the words that we say to conform with the truth, in order not to stand before God and say a lie. And that is a great, actually, um, way of understanding this 
um, this issue that we have here with Nachem. To stand before God and say that Jerusalem, the city, is Avelami Blibaneha, mourns alone without any of her children, and it, that it's desolate or, or destroyed of all the homes. Nobody lives there. Saying that would be a lie. And in fact, I had mentioned last week that I had heard about with Aaron Lichtenstein, Zetzal, that he made changes in Nachem. And um, so Rav Navon in this article explains <coughs> specifically that Rav Lichtenstein, the change that he made was he took out one sentence. He didn't actually, so one can philosophically argue about that. Yes, that's a change as well, but he didn't uh, add words into the into the prayer. Um, he took out the words Havelami. One sentence. It's one sentence that he took out. Havelami b'libaneha v'hacharivami monoteha v'habzuyami kodava shomimama in Yosef. He took out that line. His father-in-law, the Rav, as we mentioned last week, and Rav Avadi Yosef, believed that we shouldn't change at all. We say the tefillah as it is, as long as there's no Bet HaMikdash, it's considered Shomima. And Rav Chaim David Alevi, which again he quotes in the article here, and he has footnotes with all the sources, he says, all we got to do is add the word Shehaita, that was, meaning this was the situation in the past. The city of Yishalayim used to be and if you add it in two specific places, every you're not lying, basically, is what he says. Then you're not lying. And I found that um, very, very interesting. That, yes, there are times that we need to make changes, but what we do is we strive to make the smallest change possible in order to keep the nusach, to keep the text the way it is, and yet, not to stand before God and say something which we know not to be true. Um, and to close it out, I'm going to mention something that's in this article as well. And it's something that um, I said last week, but I think it's put in a very nice form. Uh, the concept of our the feeling that we have on Tisha B'Av, the feeling of the mourning, of the sorrow, of the sadness... We are sad, and we are mourning, and we do remember all the tragedies that happened to the Jewish people throughout the generations on Tisha B'Av. But in in, in in our day and age, where we have seen so much good, it, it, it would be somewhat fui tova, not to acknowledge, even if it's just within ourselves, that things are different now, and um, th- there is some joy that's mixed into it. And with Chaim David Alevi writes, don't forget that uh, the Six-Day War was in June. Yerushalayim was, was liberated. So, you know, Tisha B'Av is not that far away. And he writes to Chaim David Levi that the first time he he uh, uh, approached Tisha B'Av after the Six-Day War, I couldn't say these things in my tefillah, the, those words in Achim. Shehem b'chinat dover shkarim l'fnei Hashem. Because it would be lying. And then he says, Even as 
I'm standing at the Kotel on Tisha B'Av, and we are all enwrapped in Evel, in mourning. Gam az, murgeshet pina misuyemet bilibei. There is a little place in my heart. That the mourning, the sadness, will not be able to penetrate. That's the that's that spot in my heart that will be happy even on Tisha B'av because I know that I'm living in a special generation of Rashid Smichat Gulateno. And that really wrapped up very nicely the feelings that I was trying to convey last week. Um, that yes, we we do what we do. But there is a place in our heart that um, just says um, is something different. It's it's not all bad. There's a little corner that we keep with the joy of Rishit Smichat Gulateno. So I was thinking whether I should play this song, and I think it's appropriate for the discussion we just had. I, I actually found it on Tisha B'Av. It's a beautiful rendition of Elitzion Ve'areha. Uh, and it's sung by Rona Kainan, and I just found it so amazing, and I will share it with you. I hope you like it. Let me know what you think. You can do it on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show, or comment on the app. Either way, whatever works. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Israel Show on the Nachum Single Network. Nefesh Benefesh. Wow, they are amazing. They do amazing things. You know that last week they welcomed the 50,000th Ole that they brought to Israel. It is so amazing. From North America. I mean, that, that doesn't include a lot of other places. Wow. They uh, provide Olim with various different types of support, of help, be it financial, be it employment resources, even just giving moral support by being part of a group with other people. And that really makes each individual's aliyah as successful as possible. I think one of the more important things that Nefesh Benefesh has done over the uh, over these years is making aliyah an in thing. They make it something to be celebrated. I remember... Um, on numerous trips that I had to Israel, including one with Nachum, there was a family on the plane that was making uh, Aliyah. And um, <laughs> it was like they were being hassled and jassled and moved and go to this office, go to that. I'm saying, oh my God, there should be a big band out there and a, and a ceremony and people waiting and cheering them on. And, and Nefesh Benefesh understood that and that's uh, really what they did. So, anyway, thanks to Nefesh Benefesh for everything they do, and we are especially proud to be sponsored by Nefesh Benefesh, Revolutionizing Aliyah. Take a look at their website, www.nbn.org.il, www.nbn.org.il. As we mentioned, Yehoram Gaon, in collaboration with Ovadia Hamama, two musical geniuses, has... Uh, produced a new song. It's called Ahava, Love. And uh, the words are really nice. Words by Vajah Hamama. And the melody talks about how we need to love one another and help one another and be good to one another. And that if we want to save the world, that would be a good way to start. El mul haroa ahava, el mul hakoshi ahava, el mul hadofi ahava otefet shotefet. Against all evils, we should counteract with love. And then he puts in here an allusion to the famous Gemara about Hillel. Kol haTorah kula hi ahava lareyacha. Right when uh, Hillel was asked to um, teach the. Um, person who wanted to become a ger, or a, a, a convert, all the Torah in one soundbite. He said, Man So, some nice themes here. All we have to do, we have to um, chase the darkness out. And how do we do that? We do that with awe, with light. 
Uvishirim Napil Chomot. So um, that's some of the some of the lyrics, the beautiful lyrics. Here's Yoram Gaon, brand new, just released a few days ago. Um, words and melody by Yovadja Hamama sing, singing Yoram Gaon singing the song Ahava. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Gaon debuting hot off the presses. Yehoram Gaon with Ahava, Mayor Weingarten hosting here and thanking one and all for joining us on the Nachum Siegel Network. You're tuned to the Israel Show. Last week, 
there was an ad, a condolence ad. Now, uh, those of you who've been in Israel, you're familiar with this. The newspapers carry what's called Modaot Evel, advertisements about Avelud, about someone's passing. And there's a page or two usually in every newspaper, and there are boxes in black, thick black border, and inside, you know, uh, family members or sometimes a, a, a company will um, put up an ad about an employee or a friend. And basically it says the name of the person that they passed away, when the Levaya will be, when the funeral will be, when where the Shiva is, or just, uh, uh, it might be just um, sending condolences to the family, whatever. Anyway, last week, such an advertisement appeared in Yudhira Chronot, and he, it said, we sadly note, we sadly note the passing of Avraham Kimchizal. And then it says, He was taken out of his Yisurim, of his suffering. He almost redeemed, meaning God did him a favor and took him, so to speak. Veniftar Badad, he died alone. Badad, like Echayashva Badad, you know. And it was signed, Chaverav, his friends, Machzor Februar Shivim Shalosh Gdut Shmonet Tishim. This is uh, his friends from the Israel Defense Forces who were drafted in February of 1973, and they are members of Gdud 890, the 890th, I guess, division. And it was so interesting. A lot of people in Israel were wondering, who is this? I'm from Kimchi, and what happened? What's his story? And um, several journalists, mostly interesting, mostly of the Kippot Shugot, started to look into it and, and, and found the people who put this ad in. And by the way, um, when they buried Avram Kimchi, who died alone, his friends from the army, including his commander, um, came to the funeral and uh, gave him the final respect. He he fought, if you, if you figure that he was drafted in February of 1973 and realized that in October of 1973, the Yom Kippur War caught Israel by surprise, you understand that he was just about, what, uh, eight months into his army service, and he was in the thick of the war. He fought in the Sinai. He fought in one of the more difficult battles called the Chava Hasinit. And what happened to him? Why, Why did he die at the age of 64, and why was he alone and why was he suffering so much and the answer is that about 15 years ago he was stricken with what we know as PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder that many soldiers who've gone through war unfortunately used to call it um, shell shock or, or battle fatigue all kinds of different things. now we call it PTSD and it is now recognized as a, as a real illness which needs help Unfortunately, back in the day, especially uh, as early as 73, the army 
did not recognize and couldn't understand what PTSD was. And so, unfortunately, about 15 years ago, he just started falling apart. He had no support system. The army didn't give him what he needed. He had no family. He couldn't survive in business, and he just fell apart. And for 15 years, he suffered pretty much alone. His only friends were those from the army, those of his uh, division mates, his fellow soldiers. And they're the ones who ultimately brought him to burial last week. And the reason I pointed out is that we often count how many people were killed in a war, in a terror event, in whatever. And how many people were injured. We don't realize to what extent soldiers who fought in the war and come home. And we think that they're uh, uninjured, unblemished, unscarred. They too have suffered and, and their lives, in many cases, is changed forever. They were injured, some of them severely. The only difference is it's not a physical injury, it's a psychological in- injury. And we know today that that is as difficult as the other. And so uh, it's good that we remember that there is such a situation, and I know that there is an organization that helps, and I'll try and get you the information and post it on our Facebook page, and I'll mention it, um, I'll mention it next week on, uh, on the Israel Show. Avram Kimchi, we remember him today, so that he should not have died alone. Okay, here is um, the Idan Reichel project featuring Dindin Aviv with also something that was a huge success in Israel. The song is Im Telech. And uh, yesterday I realized, I didn't know this before, that uh, this singer Dindin Aviv has a little bit of a funny name, but she today is an Orthodox Jew. She's a Choseret Bichuva. And uh, it's an amazing story. So, great song, big hit. Love it. Happy to see that um, she too is uh, somebody who has returned home to the uh, Masoret Israel, the tradition of the people of Israel. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nahum Siegel Network. Shall I be a little bit? 
Im Telech, Dindin Aviv, from the Eden uh, Reichel Project. My name is Mayor Weingarten, you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. So, um, as has become our um, habit, we um, try to end the show on a positive note. So there. Well, we're going to try and do that right now. Oh, I do want to... Oh, very good. One of the listeners uh, points out that PTSD is one of several diseases known as invisible wounds. That's a very good way of putting it. Invisible wounds. Wounds that are there, but unseen to the naked eye. Thank you. Um, So, first I want to thank one of our good listeners and a good friend, Uri Lahav, for posting this uh, particular story and bringing it to my attention, as he often does. Of all the Jews who have uh, competed in the Olympics over the years, who are the ones that stand out, the ones that won? Who won the most medals? So you might think Mark Spitz, right, Ali Reisman. You know, in, in the 2012 Olympics, the London Olympics, Ali Reisman did this floor exercise and she won a gold medal and it was it was performed to have an Aguila. I, I, I think a lot of Jews were like so excited about that. It was like, whoa, have an Aguila. I know that this year one of the competitors, non Jewish competitors, performed the floor exercise to Kolhalam Kulo Gesher Tsarmaod. I'm still waiting to find that. I haven't found it yet. I'd love to see it. Anyway. Um Ali Reisman also, in the London Olympics in 2012, noted the 40th anniversary of the massacre of the 11, Israelis athlete, the 11 Israeli athletes at the 1972 Munich Games. And she noted that the reporters after her performance and the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, declined to recognize the killing by Palestinian terrorists. Although this year, by the way, they did have a small ceremony on the side. And at 22 Eastman was the USA team captain. So a lot of people think, oh, she must be the Jew with the most medals and so forth, or Mark Spitz. And so. Turns out, it turns out that the Jew that has won the most Olympic medals lives in Israel right now. She is 95-year-old Agnes Kaletti. She was born Agnes Klein in 1921 in Hungary. In Budapest, she began gymnastics at the age of four. When she was 16, she was Hungarian national champion in gymnastics. And she won the championships titles 10 times between 1937 and 1956. Now, she's Jewish. She somehow survived the war. She did it by purchasing Christian papers and working as a maid in a small village and hiding out as a Christian. Her mother and sister were saved by Raoul Wallenberg, the famous Swedish diplomat Raoul Wallenberg, saved her mother and her sister, and her father was murdered in Auschwitz. After the war, after surviving the war, one might think she would just say, enough of this, no. She went back, she continued to train, 
And she finally competed for the Olympics for the first time at the age of 31. Imagine, at 16 she was a champion. Now she's 31. She competes at the 1952 Games. She earned four medals, a gold, a silver, bronze. Well, it's got to be more than that. Oh, two bronze. In 1954, she um, placed first on the at the uneven bars World Championship and at the 1956 Summer Olympics in Melbourne. She won gold medals in three of the four individual events. Wow. In fact, at the age of 35, Coletti became the oldest female gymnast ever to win gold. She left Hungary and emigrated to Israel in 1957. Been living there since. When she retired from competition, she worked as physical education instructor at Tel Aviv University at Wingate Institute for Sport in Netanya. She coached and worked with the Israel National Gymnastics Team well into the 1990s. So, we salute what seems to be the Jew with the most Olympic medals, but more importantly, the tenacity, the drive, the perseverance to face, diver- to face the, the horrors of the world, to face adversity, and continue on and flourish. That is pretty, um, pretty cool, I must say. Congratulations. That's amazing. I never heard of her. I, I, she needs a good PR person. Well, she's 95. I don't know what her situation is now. We hope she's well. We wish her the best. And um, we, we at least get a chance to mention her name and remember what she did. Agnes Keledi, born Agnes Klein. Um, okay, we're going to close out today's show with Shlomi Shabbat and Anishar. That's a perennial favorite. But not before we say thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. And continue to do so at facebook.com slash the Israel show. We're going to post on that very Facebook page links to the songs we played today, links to uh, link to the uh, article about um, changing the Nusach of Tefillah in light of uh, Realities on the Ground by Rabbi Chaim Navon. We're going to put up a link to that as well. Maybe we'll put up a link to the Wikipedia page of Agnes Coletti and all the songs. So um, I thank you for your Facebook likes and comments, and I also uh, encourage you to encourage others to uh, come to our page, like it, and uh, and participate. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network, as always. And my very special thanks to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, encore presentations of Eternal Flame with Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson, followed by Headlines with David Lichtenstein, and then the great Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following JM and the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you the nice guys do not finish last. No, no, no. They're just running in a different race.
ניסיתי לשתף אותך בכיף, ולא ידעתי איך. זה תופס אותי בבטן, מתגבר והולך, לרגע לא דואך. אני יודע, כשאת נפגעת זה כל כך כואב, ולא שוכח, למרות הכל אני אותך אוהב. בענישה Thank you. 